0: I knew, I knew I knew it was Saturday I knew, uh, I, knew, I, I, knew I knew I knew I knew I knew I
1: knew
0: I I hoped I mean you hoped
2: what you felt wasn't true you know And it. but um, and then when the Sunday came I knew definitely it was. She, she I kept
0: had, waiting for you to draw up in a taxi on the never,
2: I knew she'd never ever go out often that would say because I mean she was caring, and you know did know me
0: just normally
3: been worried. in July police in Belfast find a young woman's body in a house in the south of the city 23-year-old Maria McConnell had been brutally murdered the grim discovery came after a 12-day search by the RUC and the media after her death Maria's parents spoke of a child who had suffered terribly from anxiety and depression. They found diaries and prayer journals she had written, which give a clear insight into her depression. At her funeral, Maria's cousin Conlis said, The fact that she jotted down notes and prayers was, I believe, intended by God to be a means by which people, particularly young people suffering from depression, might learn.
1: darkness creeps over my life, all seems to be lost. My happiness, my friends, my life. Beautiful memories feed me, keep me occupied. If only I could turn back to those lovely days. You live, you learn, you cry. Learning the hard way is my forte. Perhaps the best way. Help. Please help.
3: Maria grew up in Coolnessilla, a Catholic middle-class district of North Belfast. Her father, Frank, was a chemist. Her mother, Nuala, worked as a teacher at the local primary school. Her parents remember a happy, spirited child blessed with an infectious smile and lustrous black
0: hair. I can see her skipping and running... You know, just with their friends out in the street, and very much a normal town. She was a bit devilish oh, wow. you know? The deep fat fryer was on the floor in the kitchen, and I think she was only about six or seven at the time, and she had washed her hair in it. You know, I remember it dripping all over the place. Another time, oh, she made me we were out. She made candy apples, and there was candy everywhere on the floor. It was and just wee wee tiny tiny bits, and it was just everywhere and the candy was stuck to the plates the pots the top of the the oven and it was just an absolute mess and she just stood and smiled what else did she do for it? she used to go to Irish dancing for a while but she wasn't interested all she was, interested was in was eating sweets she went to go to the shop there was a shop up there so she went to the shop to get the sweets she wasn't really interested in that uh, she enjoyed the piano Now she was oh, she was about nine when she started it and uh the lady who taught her was a lovely person. And she, her husband actually said, he just always said, Who's that, lovely? Who's that lovely girl with the a with beautiful smile? And he always commented on that. And she always, every time she met us, nearly told us about that. Yeah. So she went to music for a few years, till she was about 14. This is when things started to go wrong for her. I she just didn't want to go anymore.
3: Maria's parents have very happy memories of her childhood, but she was being bullied at school. Her friend Marcella remembers the initial rejection and the bullying that followed.
2: People uh, starting to, to turn against her, to um, to make fun of her. That could be from the way she looked in terms... She always looked tidy and neat, looked after herself. You know, from a very young age, she just believed in looking her best. And a lot of people turned against her because of that and would call her names like you look like a witch. Um Maria would do her nicely. She would set it the night before, put it in rollers and then the next day it would be in ringlets. And it would look really pretty. She would um apply her makeup beautifully to her face, which made it look very, very natural. Um and because of this, you know, people would you know poke jabs at her for no reason whatsoever. And I think maybe they knew that they were getting a reaction because she would become defensive and say, Why are you saying that? Why? Um, then, because of this, she become really self-conscious. And in the class, she became very withdrawn and into herself to the point that if someone asked her a question in terms of a teacher, she wouldn't be able to answer. And I, I do know that now, looking back, that I'm sure the teachers... Um, viewed this as being, you know, just plain to fancy. And it wasn't. She just didn't have the confidence. She didn't know what... She just froze on the spot and she couldn't bud and she couldn't move and just, like, fell to pieces in front of you. And because of that, people would, like, you know, she annoys me, she turns me. You know, the typical um, young, bitchy remarks that are made by girls, you know, in a school that we all experience and we all know of, And, you know, this just really affected Maria. I remember crying that night, face to the mirror in my bedroom,
1: feeling isolated, confused, hurt. It was the weekend, and at last I had escaped from the prison called school. Confined in those rooms five days per week was just too much. My sensitive disposition made it more painful, like sharp pieces of glass. The feeling of isolation. The insults stuck into my whole weekend. Jagged seemed
2: my happiness. I withdrew into a world of despair. Marie began dieting and that led her to lose a lot of weight. And when she lost the weight, she then became very obsessed with maintaining that weight and became really almost petrified of gaining weight again. And she spoke to me that when she actually ate um, food, she could see almost like, you know, there was a bit more weight around her ankle, and she would measure it and say that her ankle would measure an inch wider than when before she ate. And she said no one else could see this, um, but she was... Completely clear in her own mind that she was not insane, that she was not saying things, that she was experiencing this. Um, but this really played on her mind and it never left her mind. And she just constantly had the feeling that, you know, if she could control the way she looked physically, that her life would be so much better. Because that's what it, it ended up almost coming down to. You know, I've got to look good. I've got to look good, to, to feel good. I need to look good she didn't think she was all that attractive at all, she used to talk about girls in school constant names would come up of the girls who were considered the, the most beautiful in the year group and I plainly said to her I said you would leave them streets behind and she would answer me on the phone or even sitting in person, seriously I don't believe you, it's me, no it's me, you're beautiful, it's me, I don't know why you cannot say that, I don't know why when you look in the mirror you don't say it, it's me you're gorgeous. I mean, if I was probably like a lot of people, I, mean, I would be jealous too. I mean, but she never believed that she had the beauty or the impact that she did. I mean, you only had to look at her. She, I mean, you, the type of girl where you'd look, and you'd look twice, because she was so striking. And I think the fact that she wasn't aware of it made it all the more attractive.
0: She written down somewhere that it was when she turned thirteen. But I wouldn't have put it as far back as that because I have memories of lovely holidays we had. Uh, we went to Waterford, we went to a different place and she seemed very happy then, but when she was about 14, um, she began to get a bit moody, mad-tempered, mm-hmm. a bit cheeky, cheeky at times. And she hadn't been like that and we sort of couldn't understand. You know, it was only little flashes now and again. It wasn't too bad, but as the year progressed... I'd say when she had been 14 and a half, she began to get worse. I don't know if there were things, maybe she had disagreements with girls in school, and I'm not quite... If she did have, that might have been part, part of it. But also she got into trouble in school because she didn't have work in on time, and so on and so forth, and we were sent for, because they couldn't understand what was wrong with her, because... She was a bright girl, they knew she had ability, but she wasn't achieving. She had been a very good student in the first, well first and second year. They couldn't understand what was happening and I suppose at the time they thought there was maybe something going on at home that they didn't know about and they were concerned. I mean when say she got into trouble her teachers were concerned about her and each time we were sent for it was the head of year and another teacher would have been there and Maria was with us as well and I just, uh, now I, I'm quite positive, what was wrong with Marie was this illness was starting and she didn't know what was wrong with her, we, we, we weren't aware of, of there being anything wrong with her and she just literally
1: couldn't cope with school. It all started nine years ago. Back then I was young, free, live-wired and enthusiastic. I had nothing to worry about except whether it would rain at the weekends, whether Mum had ice cream in, or if God would get me the pet rabbit I always wanted. I suppose at the time, you know, with God being so majestic, I expected the rabbit to appear from a fluffy cloud. I just didn't appreciate those carefree days, the joy of childhood. And then my teenage years crept up on me. I turned 13. And the feelings of confusion took hold. Inadequacy, fear, self-consciousness, embarrassment. All these things were nipping at my unconscious mind. She just, well, she spent a
0: lot of time doing art. And that was part of the problem. She used to spend time doing art and then turn pages out of the book because she considered it wasn't good enough. And she did this quite often. In fact, her art teacher gave off to her. She'll you know, she said she'd start all over again. She spent so much time at art, which I think might have been an escape for. Her. I'm not I'm not not too sure, mm-hmm. but um, to the exclusion of other subjects, and that's what happened. She wasn't given enough time to her other subjects, she and that's she was, why she was getting was into trouble. She was neglecting other no. subjects. She would have maybe borrowed books. Some probably a lot of books in the house and. But we knew that Marie would have maybe underlined things or highlighted things. She didn't, wasn't aware of the fact that she was destroying things, sort of thing, you know. And well, I know her room was a mess, but I know that's typical of teenagers. And I, all I literally did was change the sheets and she, her clothes were in a heap on the floor. Her her desk was just a mass of well, I don't know how she there was an area how she managed to get any order out of it. Yeah, that's she would have right? in the front bedroom, yes, yeah, she would have written written on the wall, written things on the wall. She would have if she was on the telephone, she used to write maybe a telephone number on the wall or write it on the, the actual phone itself. She actually wrote on the inside of the wardrobe door with black felt tip. She also wrote on the top of her chest of drawers. About life life is terrible. Say say something similar to that. Life I hate. I hate life. That's what she wrote. I hate life. I was shocked, and it disturbed me a bit. And I did. I just. Why did you do that? Just because I felt like that. I'm sorry. And then I said, "Well, well, you just rub it off. You wash it off." And she did. She scrubbed it all off.
3: Maria gradually withdrew into a world of her own, too frightened to leave the house. She spent most of her evenings writing in her diaries and prayer journals. Sometimes she managed to talk to her friends on the phone. Other times she flew into rages, retreated to her room
0: for days at a time. When Darity, her friend, called up to the house. Now, she'd known Darity since she was... Well, since she started school, since she was 11 or 12. And she wouldn't talk... She wouldn't see Dirty. She said to Dirty, I haven't got my makeup on. And she would just shout or talk down the stairs. They would have a conversation. Dirty would stand in the hall and Marie would t- you know, talk down the stairs to her. And she says, The next time you come, I'll have my makeup on. She did this with a couple of friends. In fact, one of them uh, said, oh, Marie, for heaven's sake, you've known me all your life. She actually went through primary school with her. She, I don't care if you don't have makeup on. But of course, it wasn't because she had no makeup on, it was because she just couldn't. Couldn't come down and look at her eye-to-eye contact and talk to her. She felt so ill at ease and uncomfortable and panicky. She used to say, oh, I feel... She felt, she was sort of shaking.
3: As time went on, things got a lot worse.
1: Waiting at the airport with Mum and Dad, I tried to look calm and confident, keeping my fingers crossed, hoping there would be no one-to-one conversation. I just about managed a short superficial conversation. Even that had me scared. I wanted to go home to a safe place for the painful thoughts to subside. I would love that to happen in a parallel world. It's not going to happen in this one. The lingering feeling of excitement and pleasant anticipation of nightlife, sun, sea and sand wasn't as gripping because of my messed-up head. Why am I like this? I tried to reassure myself. I'm fine. I'm OK.
2: Whenever we left school, Maria uh, seemed to basically never let the memories of school go. She always, like, even seemed to feed on them. and um, Like, they just constantly ran through her mind again and again and again. Um, it went back to, you know... Feeling lonely, feeling um, hurt, uh, feeling that no-one understood her, that people turned against her, that people made fun of her. People called you know her thunder thighs or fat or just didn't want to know her or associate themselves with her, etc. Maria even had difficulty
0: with her brothers. When they came into the house, Maria would stay upstairs. She would talk down to them all night, but she couldn't come down and, you know, speak to them because she said, Mummy, I feel so ill at ease, I feel terrible, my hands shake and I just can't do it.
2: It was as if Maria, you know, she withdrew into a world of her own, um, which just, she was surrounded by memories of school, memories that, you know, taunted her, that hurt her, um, that she can never clear her system off fully, and memories that she grew to know were the reason why she deteriorated into the condition that she did. And, you know, as I said, her words were, they were the worst days of her life and she would never, for all the money in the world, want to ever relive them because it was just a really lonely period of time. Maria didn't leave her home for almost two years. And this is when she actually gradually declined. You know, after leaving school, just deteriorated right down to the point where she was afraid to go out the door. Um, And it came to the point where she would tell me that she would shake, she would sweat, um, she felt weak. And she would get all these emotions at once of the possibility of her having to walk out the front door. When I called up to her house one time, when it came to me leaving the house, she crouched down at the door and just put her head around because she didn't want her neighbours to see her. It came to the point where she couldn't walk up the street and she said to me on one occasion she had not been up the street in two years. Two years she had not passed the door. Um she didn't have the courage to. Um she just felt that everybody um when she went outside the door that everybody would be looking at her, pointing at her, laughing at her.
0: It was one day Peter and John, they sort of they would make their way up to Mary and can kind of come in and she never said no, you can't come into the room but when Peter went in once he, he was it not it surprised him and shocked him. He said, Mommy, I can't believe it. My own sister and she couldn't look at me. She sat on the chair and looked at me through the mirror. And the whole time I was in the room, Mummy said, That's the way we talked. Or she and he said, I can't that's terrible, mommy he said, I can't understand it. I said, Oh now, Peter now you realise that Maria isn't well, because Peter and John both loved her, you know, and so on, but they thought that... They didn't understand how ill Maria was. They thought maybe that we were just spoiling her, you know, and so she just smoked, and we would have bought her cigarettes, and John was say, and Peter, well... She'll never go out of the house, just don't buy her cigarettes. Let let her go up and get them for herself in the shop, but Maria couldn't. couldn't, She was desperate to have a cigarette, but she couldn't have gone up to
2: the shop to buy cigarettes for herself. Maria completely felt trapped within her mind and within herself. She was at the point where she didn't know sometimes um, how to help herself, um, because she, the memories, the thoughts were spinning around in her mind. She couldn't make sense of them. And her only, my only point of contact basically came through to the telephone at one stage. I, I couldn't go up to see her. She didn't want to see me. And when she would speak to me on the phone, she would m- maybe be really low and say that um, she couldn't help herself. She felt, she felt lost. She felt that she didn't know she had a purpose in life. Um, she didn't know where her life was going to go, um, or how she could help herself. Mary, I really need your help.
1: I can't take much more of this. Irrational fear, distorted thoughts, complexes, phobias. Please help me, Mary, because I don't know what to do anymore. I am so tired of this. Why me? Am I just one of those people who will never be happy? never be emotionally fulfilled what a joy it would be to sit in a room full of people and feel relaxed confident extroverted to finally release all that Maria is I do have so much to offer others love concern humour bubbliness. the list goes on Mary it is hurting me so much now more than ever Because at last, you've given me the wisdom and the reason for living. The sense to unlock my self-absorbed, isolated being. Please, Sacred Heart and Mary, I beg you, help me to get my mind back. To get Maria back. You promise extraordinary graces to those who trust in your mercy. Well, I do, Mary. Always remember I can only be the real me when I yield to you.
2: Please give me the strength to do so forever. Maria gradually began to turn to faith and to turn to pray to God to try to help her because she was, I think, you know, at her wit's end. She would sit on the chair in the sitting room. Sometimes
0: she would sit there with no TV on, just sit there with her arms stretched along the radiator and her head down and her hair completely covering her face. And there were times I would have gone into the room to get something out. And she didn't look at me or move her head or look up. She just stayed like that. She used to sit with the chair facing the TV and sit sideways with her hair over her face because she felt, apparently, that she, people... When she, If she looked people straight in the eye, good eye contact, that they could read her thoughts, that they knew what she was thinking. And she worried about blushing, or she called it taking redners. She had very, very negative feelings about herself, very, very negative thoughts about herself all the time. And she felt that when people looked at her too, that they, they could saw her in a negative way. She said this quite often, any time we were out together.
1: Lord, help me to cultivate wisdom and to be worthy of it, to choose the right course because I can't waste any more time. Help me to be the very, very best at what I do, to get my life back. I beg you, Lord, Lord, I just want to be happy and mature. I put all my hope in you. You who solve all problems, light all roads so that I can attain my goal. You give me the divine grace to forgive and forget all evil against me and in all instances in my life you are with me. I want to thank you Holy Spirit for all things to confirm once again that I never want to be separated from you. I want to be with you in eternal glory.
0: In the early days when she started to stay in, I sort of, people stopped me and asked, Well, how's Maria? You know, just because they were the newer and we're friend, fond of her and all. I said, oh, she's taking a year out and so on and so forth. Well, after the first year out, you see, I said to Maria, well, what, what? She would sort of quiz me. If I went out, did you meet anybody? And I would say, yes, met so-and-so. Did they ask about me? And I would say, yes, or no. I could, well, I, could, I couldn't say no, because, well, <laughs> did they ask? Because she knew they would have asked about her sort of thing, you know. I do a bit of teaching part-time. and I sometimes teaching the school that Maria went to and I used, to, I used to dread teachers who taught her who knew her asking me how she was because at least I didn't know what to tell them anymore. But there was one day, um, she would quiz me when I went, when I went up to the school. she said, say, well, did so-and-so ask about me? Did so-and-so? And there was one day I said, yes, Mary did ask about you. And what did you tell her? I said, I, I said Maria, I, I told her the truth that you're staying in the house and you're having difficulty going out and meeting people. And she got very angry. And she said, why did you tell I said, I will tell you why I told her. Because when she asked me, it's just the way she looked at me. She said, how's Maria? And I said, I burst, I said, Marie, I burst into tears in the front hall of the school. And that's how I happened to tell Maria. Well, that sort of, she got very quiet. And she said, oh, Mummy, so, I didn't realise that you felt that way that it was so hard for you. And I said, well, it it is hard, Marie. And I think she thought maybe that we didn't care about her at times and that we were hard and she said, she used to say to me, you don't know, you don't understand what it's like. You have no idea what it's like. And in ways we didn't, but we did try to understand.
1: I'm so weak and afraid of straying. Help me to progress. I don't trust myself anymore. Please guide me. I want you to be my priority. Patience brings perseverance and then hope. I used to love you. What happened? I have strayed recently. I feel so angry and vulnerable and alone. I'm afraid it might happen again. I need consistency. I want to be a good person. Grant me purity to inspire and motivate me throughout the rest of my life.
0: There was a sort of a tension in the house because, I mean, it's only to be expected when you're living, as we say, is on top of each other for four years. Well, almost four years. Um, we felt we had to... Our sort of... The highlight of our week was kind of going to down to the local supermarket for a wee cup of tea or something like that, even for half an hour, just to be on our own, because and to talk. But sometimes we felt very low ourselves We knew Maria was ill, and at that stage, she just didn't she didn't want anybody to know about it, and she felt she said nobody could help her. And we knew there was help out there for her, and she just wouldn't agree to it. We were just sit very, very worried about her and what was going to happen to her, and what would happen to her if anything happened to us. So it was, it was a great worry. And it was actually her friend. We met her friend one day, and we told her how worried we were about her. And Mary spoke to this particular friend, it's Marcella, actually a lot, a lot on the phone, and Marcella is said yes, Maria does need help and I said well you know Marcella we can arrange for a a nurse to come out and see so Maria can talk to her and maybe that would help her and I said but no matter what we say Maria just says there's nobody out there can help me, nobody and anyway to cut a long story short Marcella actually suggested to her that a nurse could come out and just like that Maria said yes, okay then and then uh, her nice Pauline came out. And she eventually, after a sh- short while, Marie agreed to go and see some, go to actually, we thought she had an, actually had an eating disorder. And um, she, it was an appointment was made for her to go and see a doctor in the, in the eating disorder clinic. And she attended there for a while. After the first visit, she didn't make any attempt to make her to smarten herself up, if you like. But then gradually she did. She began to put on a bit of makeup, and she she went actually went went with me and with Frank, and we got new clothes for her. And she then started actually going out for a while. But then it reached the stage when she thought that she was going out. She didn't need any more help, and she more or less just didn't attend her appointments and didn't keep her appointments. She was fine for a little while, she went out all right, but then she went into town one day, and I think she had what, was what you would call a panic attack. When she went on the medication, she improved, and one day she came into the living room. Like she didn't spend all the time up in her room. She spent a lot of time in the sitting room. She would have watched TV, and she loved Father Ted, would have put videos of, videos of his on, and so on. She never ate with us. She didn't eat, eat, have a meal with us for about five or six years. And she admitted to me one day, like in recent months, the reason she couldn't was because she felt uncomfortable with us. I said, well, how can you feel uncomfortable with us? And she said, well, I am improving. She says, did, did you not notice that I come into the living room more now? And I said, yes. And... But she could she couldn't really... She didn't have a, a sit down and eat with anybody. She might have sat recently in the corner in the, in the living room with a plate on her knee, but she couldn't sit down at table with us.
1: I'm becoming antagonistic, holding grudges. I'm turning into quite a cold, selfish person. People just seem to annoy me more than ever. I want to lash out, and it worries me. I don't know who I am anymore. Can you help me to see things from your perspective, Lord? I have so many problems at the moment. Why can't you answer me? Please. I'm so fed up. I need confidence. Do I have a guardian angel? If so... I suppose I'll have to thank you every time I come across a feather. Well, then it reached the stage
0: when she. There used to be when I say rose, she used to say, that, "Give off to us, for, you leave me alone." There's nobody can help me. and I kept, I'm really please. Look, Pauline, you could all mail with Pauline before she. I I can arrange for her to come out again. Well, she said no, and this was very frustrating for us. And you know, we were we were very worried because I could see she was getting just getting worse. So eventually, actually, out of the blue, Pauline rang one day and Maria, I think, had reached Pauline said, would you like me to come out and see you? And she agreed. Pauline did come out and t- talked with her. Now, at that stage, again, she was sitting, side, you know, sitting sideways, not able to look at Pauline, hair over her face and so on. I don't think she ever looked at Pauline straight in the eye. Yeah. But um, Pauline arranged for a a, a doctor to come out and see her and he sort of assessed her and he said she suffered from severe social phobia and he um, started her medication. Just little doses at the beginning and then, you know, the the doses was increased after a while and the medication certainly seemed to help her. Now, Now, at first she was impatient. She said, I said, well, these things do not do me anyway. I'm going to stop taking them. I said, look, I've been told Marie, it's going to take time. It might even take two or three months. So I just put her tablets out every morning. And some mornings she wouldn't. She wouldn't maybe take them until the evening time. And, um, but as time went on, she, she did improve. And she began to look forward, talk not so much about her past, about school days and who said this to her and who didn't say that to her. She stopped talking so much about the past and she started talking more about what she was going to do in the future.
2: She felt that God was responding to her prayers because over that period of time she gradually did get better. You know, her moods lifted. She gained, um, I wouldn't say confidence, um, but she was starting to, um, you know, and brighten up uh, just to slowly get better. Um, she would pray for everything you wouldn't believe. She, she used to pray to God to make her breasts grow.
3: Maria's sense of humour
2: is evident in her diaries. Periods of gloom
3: give way to light-hearted musings. She had an ability to poke fun at herself
2: and her insecurities. Her humour was her outlet. In sense, she had a completely wonderful, bubbly uh, personality. She was very infectiously funny um, she would have me literally crying on the phone with laughter, and even through all the um, all the downsides, she would be able to you know make a joke of it or laugh and go you know oh, well. When I, I rang one time and she said I said Mr McConnell's Maria there and she's come on the phone she was oh you know like I just ran up the street so then came back down just ran up to the shop and chatted past the door like in two years and would laugh about it. Um, a complete sense of the absurd, totally. Um, she would take an idea, and. You would blow it out of all proportions um, into, like you say, an absurd situation where it just it's totally unbelievable and, like I say, we'd just be rolling in laughter. And, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, I dearly miss, not being able to lift the phone anymore and go, hi, how are you, honey, and just roll with it. Like, we would spend hours on the phone, sometimes not talking about, you know, maybe she was feeling low or she wasn't at her best. Hours on the phone, having a laugh and giggling and, you know, just being, you know, the way we, we, we always were with each other. Maria was happiest, if you like, when she
0: was playing music, listening to music, and especially dancing to music. In fact, she ruined two rugs that I had in my sitting room. They were pale in colour. And I sort of thought, God, that's awful dirty looking. And I looked down there and she, she actually laughed at me. I said, what, what are you down there looking that, that for? I said were well, you dancing on that she said yes so when she said I won't do it again and then I discovered one day what she was doing instead she lifted the rug up was dancing on the carpet and it was going a bit you know threadbare. I said oh look, look why don't you dance out in the garage but no that wouldn't do it wasn't comfortable enough you see so let's say she ruined two rugs and then I eventually ended up getting one that was dark in colour and patterned. and I said well just go easy on it, and you know, at least it's dark and you won't notice it so much. So but she used to pull the blinds down, and she just, uh, she just let herself go. Oh,
2: yeah. And she
0: before. was a great mover. Oh, yeah. And she, used to, actually, one time too, she had a thing about river dance. She was used to play the tape over and over, and she used to do dance to it as well. She used to go out into the kitchen and, all and dance to it. But just, um, it just, just it gave her. A great buzz, if you like. And when she went out with Derby, it was for the dancing that she went. She just loved dancing.
1: What is your will for me, God? You've no idea how frantic I'm getting. I don't want to lose you. I'm getting scared. I'm still a bit vain. Could you please guide me on how to forget about these things and not let them annoy me? This darkness has been smothering me for two and a half flippin' years. It's not flippin' fair. I'm past myself. Please help. If you want to be friends, God, try being
2: a good friend yourself. Amen. I think Maria craved and was desperate for um, physical love, you know, and physical affection. Uh, she just wanted to be loved by people um, and by someone close. She had her parents but that wasn't enough for her and like all of us we need someone to love God I
1: feel so uncomfortable with you I feel so angry with you I'm so worried about blaspheming you I'm scared of you never go away just remember I need you want you forever sealed with nine kisses Mary Am I doing something wrong? Mary, please pray for me. I'm so afraid and I need your help. Amen.
2: P.S. Sorry, Mary. Maria was, I think, trying to find out who she was as a person. Um, And I think this is why she was starting to explore in terms of her sexuality. And I think the bottom of it was that maria was very naive in the terms of being a big kid and a very trusting person and would not suspect that anyone would do her any harm or any injustice or that someone that something like that could happen to her i am
1: starting to grasp the real meaning of life love i never really understood treasured this most beautiful gift we each and every person can reach for in ourselves. Life should be a celebration of love to be transmitted to each and every creature. I have no words to explain this powerful emotion. All I can say is it sustains me, makes me totally fulfilled, happier. Love conquers all. Love is a simple reflection of God. All the hurtful things, trials, and tribulations we suffer as a consequence of other people's indifference should be transmuted into understanding, forgiveness, because that's what love is. Each person has the capacity to reach for the deep and full love our Creator is. Don't reject it, it is our destiny.
2: She said, Marcella, honey, would you like to go out to a club? And I said, Maria, no because I didn't drink so I wasn't into clubs as Maria knew but I think she just wanted someone to go with her I said Maria honey no I'm too tired and I was meant to be meeting Maria the very next day because I hadn't seen her in such a long time and we were both excited about seeing each other and I said listen honey go to bed and I will see you tomorrow I'll give you a call from the town after I see Anne in my charity and I'll meet you and she she said oh listen what if I pay? I was like no you're not working you've no money she was, what if I get the taxes? Like, no, and putting all these incentives, you know, over the phone for me to go. It's like, honey, I, I was just flaked out. I was too tired. And she said, said, me, just go to bed and get a good night's sleep, honey, and I'll see you tomorrow. And she said, okay. And just that was it. She was, okay, honey, I'll see you tomorrow. It's me, night-night, love you, bye-bye. bye <laughs> bye
3: Maria went out on her own that night. Her mother remembers her singing and dancing as she waited for the taxi. She never saw her again. On the morning of Maria's funeral, a woman came up to Nula and handed her a prayer. It was, she told her, a picture from the Lord.
1: The Lord gave me this picture very clearly of a young girl between the age of 20 and 25 with long dark hair. She was wearing a light coloured blouse and what seemed to me to be a cream body warmer, also a blue flowing skirt. This girl was moving in such a way that I would call dancing with her arms outstretched and her head held high with such a beautiful smiling expression. She was moving down an embankment. I could see her dancing down this embankment. I would say she was waltzing. She was so happy, smiling, such a beautiful smile. I felt the Lord was saying to this girl these words, ''You're not alone. You're my child.''